Well, good morning again, everybody, and welcome to Alpine Church. Uh, it's great to have you here. I just want to say again, if you're here for the first time, thanks so much for checking us out. We hope you feel welcome. Uh, we hope you feel right at home today and that we're able to help you pursue God. My name is John Bellis. I'm the lead pastor up at the Alpine Logan campus. Uh, I've been in that role for about four years now. And for about the last year and a half, I've also been serving on our executive team here at Alpine Church. And so I've been providing some support and providing some leadership to the other lead pastors like Pastor Joel. And it's been awesome to get to know him better. I get to, to hang out with him about once a week and really enjoy that time. And this is the first time I've ever had the opportunity to teach here. I'm really excited to be here today because I've always kind of looked at West Haven as our sister campus. I feel like you guys are the most similar to Logan. We're about the same size that you guys are. Uh, we were adopted into the Alpine family like West Haven was. Uh, our giving is pretty similar. In fact, I'd be lying if I didn't say my competitive nature kind of caused me to check from time to time and see how our giving and attendance was stacking up compared to you guys. Uh, I would describe Logan as a little more rural than, say, you know, Leighton or Riverdale, and I think that probably describes West Haven as well. So there are a lot of similarities between the two campuses. Uh, the biggest difference is you guys have a young, good-looking lead pastor who has a full head of hair, and Logan does not have that. But, but I'm excited to be here. And the, the other reason I'm so excited is Pastor Joel has told me so many awesome stories about how you guys are really doing it. <laughs> like you're really pursuing God, and you're really helping people go full circle. And so I just want to encourage you to keep doing that in 2021. Well, today we're in the last week of our series that we've called Breakthrough Disciplines. And we've been talking about how practicing these disciplines can lead to a full and abundant life. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 10 that the thief came to steal and kill and destroy, but that he came that we might have life and have it to the full. An abundant life, a rich life, a full life. And I hope that what you've discovered during this series is it's not the discipline in and of itself that gives you a full life. It's what the discipline does. See, in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, what these disciplines do is they help us stay connected to the vine. Think about the ones we've talked about, praying, fasting, silence, solitude, slowing. All of those disciplines help us to stay connected. Now we're going to wrap up today with the discipline that you've probably been expecting to hear every week. In fact, it's the discipline that as I look back over my life has done more to connect me with Jesus than any of the others. It's a discipline that as I look back, I can see that when I was doing it, I was bearing fruit. And when I wasn't doing it, I was not bearing fruit. And that discipline is reading the Bible. So today we're going to talk about how to read Scripture for breakthrough. And when I put my trust in Jesus to be my Savior at a young age, I had a Sunday school teacher named Doyle Carlton. And I grew up in the South, so we all just called him Mr. Doyle. He also happened to be my best friend's dad. And so Mr. Doyle was my Sunday school teacher starting in third grade. And then every year when we moved up, he would move up with us. I think he knew we were trouble and he needed to keep an eye on us. So he was my Sunday school teacher from third grade all the way until my sophomore year in high school when I moved to Utah. And beginning in fifth grade, every Sunday he would ask us, how many days this week did you read the Bible? And then he'd put it up on a little chart that he kept. 
As I mentioned, I'm pretty competitive, so I wanted sevens all the time. So I wasn't always reading the Word for the right reasons. I didn't always have the right motives, but I'm so grateful that Mr. Doyle ingrained in me this discipline of being in God's Word on a daily basis because it has done so much to bless my life. Now, I want to start with a passage that we looked at last week, Romans 12, 2. It says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. The translation that I memorized when I was a kid was, Do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to change the way you think. And the biggest way that He does that is through His Word. So when I think of the word conformed, I think of somebody taking and and shaping a piece of clay into the image or the pattern that they want it. And I can promise you, friends, that the world is trying to do just that. The world will subtly but surely put pressure on you to try and conform you and transform you into the image and the pattern that it wants. And it will come at you from all sides. You know, media, social media, friends, family, the culture at large is trying to conform you. And it will happen unless you're intentional about letting God's Word transform the way you think. Young people especially, please hear this. My prayer is that God's Word will transform the way you think. Not Netflix, not YouTube, not your favorite podcast, not your professors, not your classmates. And not even yourself, because we can so deceive ourselves. That's why we need transformation. Last week, we kind of did a a three-for-one spiritual disciplines around the idea of pacing ourselves. Well, today we're going to do a a five-for-one, so to speak. We're going to look at five spiritual disciplines centered around God's Word. And my hope is that you'll understand that if you just listen to these principles, you won't have breakthrough. Just listening to any of these disciplines won't bring us breakthrough. In fact, you can even listen and take great notes. It won't bring you breakthrough unless you practice them, unless you make them a habit, unless you make them part of your lifestyle, unless you make them a discipline. Now, we're going to use an old technique that if you've heard of the Navigators, was kind of developed by the Navigators decades ago called the Word Hand. And this Word Hand will walk us through these five disciplines centered around God's Word. So the first one we have is hearing the Word, then reading the Word, studying the Word, memorizing the Word, and lastly, meditating on the Word. So pretty simple to remember. I think you'll find this to be a helpful tool. And what we're going to do is we're going to break down each one of these disciplines. We're going to look at some scripture to back up each one of these disciplines. And my hope is that if we haven't already, that you and I would make a commitment to do this for the rest of our life, that we'd make it a habit. So let's look at this first discipline of hearing the Word. Hearing the Word is reading through someone else. What can you learn about a passage from a godly pastor or mentor? Now, this isn't actually reading the Word, but in a sense, it is. See, right now, you're hearing from me, but a lot of what you're going to be hearing for this message is the Word of God. You're hearing God's Word through the pastor. And that's a very biblical concept. So going to church and having a mentor and listening to a podcast or an online sermon, those are all great ways to get God's Word in us. And as we do that, we should be asking, what can I learn about this passage as I have God's Word spoken to me? In fact, Romans 10, 17 reinforces this. 
It says, so faith comes from hearing. That is, hearing the good news about Christ. See, faith comes from hearing. Now think, think about the context of this in the early church specifically. See, we, we're so blessed, and I think we take for granted the fact that you and I can have personal possession of Scripture. That you and I can have a Bible, or you and I can have the Bible app on our phone. The idea that everyone could personally possess the Scriptures would have been mind-blowing to the Christians in the early church. See, in the early church, only the very wealthy had books. You, you rarely read. You learned by hearing. You heard the word at the synagogue. Or you heard the word in a home church. Now, someone would read the scroll and maybe they would read from the Old Testament or maybe they would read one of the Apostle Paul's letters or another epistle. But that's how the majority of early Christians learned about God's word was through hearing. You know, the same is true even for the gospel. The scarlet thread of the gospel is woven throughout the Bible from the very first book to the very last book. But most of us likely heard it before we ever read it. Romans 1.17 says, The good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So how does God make us right in His sight? Well, scripture says that it's from start to finish by faith in Jesus Christ. And we know that's true because we can read it right there in Scripture. But most of us probably heard that before we read that. And we responded in faith. We put our faith in Jesus Christ because of what we heard. We let it change our thinking. And the same is true for everything else in God's Word. You can let it transform you by hearing it. That is a great first step. And it's a first step most of you already have. That's why you're here, right? That's one of the reasons you come to church on Sundays. There's the connection and the fellowship and the worship, and that's all amazing. In fact, man, your worship team is solid. <laughs> Praise God for people who use their gifts to bring Him glory, right? Yeah, amen. They're really good. But one of the reasons you come is to hear God's Word. But my encouragement to you guys today is let's go beyond that. Let's push past that first discipline. Let's make sure we incorporate the second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth. So let's go ahead and take a look at the second discipline that's focused around scripture and it's reading the word devotionally is reading for application what does the passage mean for you today so when you read the word devotionally you're asking yourself how does this apply to me today how does this passage impact the way I'm going to love my spouse today how does this passage impact the way I'm going to parent my kids today does this passage say something about how I should spend my time? Does it say something about how I should spend my money? Now, there are a lot of different ways to read devotionally. You know, maybe you prefer a daily devotional book that has thoughts from the author and then incorporates Scripture. And maybe you like to read through the Bible a chapter at a time, or maybe you're trying to read through the Bible in a year. Maybe you're going to join this New Testament reading plan. I would definitely encourage you to do that. There's no absolute one right way to read devotionally. All of those are great ways to get God's Word into your heart. When you're reading that, ask, how does this apply to me today? I just want to share with you four questions that I like to ask as I'm reading through Scripture devotion. These have been really helpful for me in just gleaning stuff out of God's Word. The first question I ask is, does this passage tell me something about God's character? Do I learn something about the nature of God as I read this passage? 
Second question I ask is, do I learn something about my character as I read this passage? I'll never forget the first time I really paid attention to Jeremiah 17, 9, which says, the heart above all else is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I've never looked at my feelings or their trustworthiness the same way since that. Because that passage tells me something about my character. It tells me that my heart is deceitful and I can't trust my feelings. The third question I like to ask, is there a command I need to obey in this passage? I don't always like the answer to that, but it's a question that I like to ask. And then lastly, is there a promise I can claim from this passage? You know, guys, as believers, the Bible is full of wonderful promises that you and I can hold on to. But there are also a lot of promises that people will claim are in the Bible that just aren't there. And the only way you're going to know the difference is if you spend time in God's Word. Revelation 1.3 tells us this. It says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and He blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. Now, in its context, this is specifically talking about reading the book of Revelation, and it's talking about church leaders who read it to the church. But the principle behind it, I think, applies to all of God's Word, that God blesses those who read His Word. In fact, if you have a mentor, I would encourage you this week, ask your mentor, how has reading God's Word blessed your life? Or kids, we've got a lot of young people in the room today, ask your parents on the way home, how has reading God's Word blessed your life? Here's another passage that speaks to the importance of reading God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Some of you probably even have this one memorized. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. That's pretty foundational, isn't it? I mean, that really kind of gets to the heart of the matter of why we should spend time in God's Word. The the original Greek word that's translated inspired there literally means God-breathed. It means that God breathed into the hearts and minds of the original authors the exact words He wanted to communicate. It wasn't close to what He wanted to say. It wasn't a summary. It was the exact words that God breathed into the original authors. They were the very words God wanted to communicate. Do you really believe that? If it's true, it makes the Bible unlike any other book in history. If it's not true, then the Bible is just a good book. There's lots of good books out there. But it is true. These are the very words of God. And when you sit down and read your Bible, it's like sitting at God's feet and listening to Him talk to you. It's like listening to Him tell you how much He loves you. It's like listening to Him tell you how He created the world, how He redeemed you, how He wants you to live, and how He's coming back again. It's such amazing to me that we have access to the very words of the Almighty God of the universe. See, I think that's why Christians in places like North Korea and China, they weep when they get their hands on their first Bible. It's why people risk their lives to get God's word into countries that are closed. It's why people in those persecuted countries would rather lose their life than lose their Bible. Because they know it's the very words of God. It's God-breathed. 
And yet for so many of us, it just sits on a shelf somewhere in our house collecting dust. Friends, it shouldn't be that way. I also love it that this passage reminds us that the Bible is useful. The Bible is so useful and its wisdom is timeless because the God who spoke these words, guys, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says it helps us to know what is true. Does anybody else feel like you just spent the last year going, I just want to know the truth? <laughs> whether it's related to COVID or the, the election or whatever, just tell me the truth, good, bad, or ugly. I just want to know the truth. The Bible teaches us what is true. It also says that it helps us to know what is wrong in our lives. That's not always pleasant. It's not always comfortable, but it's important. A loving God is going to let you know when something is wrong. It says it corrects us. Lastly, it says that God uses it to prepare and equip you to do every good work. You can do great things for the Lord. God wants to use each and every one of you to do amazing things. In fact, the scripture says that he has already prepared good works ahead, ahead of time for you to perform. So maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, I want to get more engaged. I, I want to mentor someone or I want to get on a serving team. A great way to prepare for that is read God's word. Let it prepare and equip you to serve him. We want to help equip you in that. Again, that's why we're doing this reading plan, and I would encourage everybody to get on board with that. It's going to be great to read it with other members of the church. It's going to be great to read it with your leaders. You know, if you've ever used that YouVersion app, you can put comments and questions on it. There's a ton of interaction. I think you'll really, really like that. Okay, let's move on to our third discipline. It's studying. So studying the Word is reading for interpretation. What did the passage mean in its original context? So if reading the word devotionally is for application, then studying the word is for interpretation. Now this is probably the discipline that might be new for some of you. See, when you're studying the word, you're not just looking at how it applies to you, but you want to see how did it apply in the original context. How would the original audience have heard this? Would it have sounded the same? Would it have sounded different? How does this passage fit into the greater context of all of Scripture? The scripture tells one unified story. How does this fit into the gospel? Is this passage I'm reading a fulfillment of prophecy from earlier in scripture? Those are the kind of questions we ask as we study. Now you can study God's word individually. You can do it in a small group, you know, maybe a men's group, a women's group. You can do it as a family. A lot of different ways to study God's word. But when you get into studying like this, I would highly encourage you to get some good, solid Bible commentaries to help you in this discipline. There are some great godly professors and experts who have spent way more time studying God's Word than you and I have. Now, I'm not going to say they're smarter than you, but they're definitely smarter than me. Okay? And they probably know more about the original language that was used. They're more familiar with the culture to which it was originally written, which is great if we're trying to figure out how would the audience have received that. So Bible commentaries, I think, are invaluable. There's also some great free tools online or you can take and look at the original language. So you can have the Greek or the Hebrew language up in the English translation right next to it and read it side by side. You know, I mentioned John 15, 5 earlier, the verse that says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I remember several years ago, I was, I was reading the Greek lexicon for that passage and really kind of digging into it. And I saw that the word that's translated remains can also be translated to tarry with. 
And all of a sudden, that passage had a deeper meaning to me. When was the last time I wanted to tarry with Jesus? When was the last time I was hoping time would just slow down when I was in my quiet time with Him? Right? We all have that relationship that's like that, right? You remember when you were first dating your spouse? It took you an hour to say goodnight, right? And I'm not talking about the goodnight kiss. I'm just talking about, <laughs> right? You just wanted to spend five more minutes with Him. Just five more minutes. And I started asking Jesus, Jesus, give me that desire. When I'm in my quiet time with you, would you help me just want five more minutes with you? Would you help time to slow down as I hear from you and as I, as I lift my needs to you? So this idea of tearing with Jesus, I never would have caught that if I wouldn't have dug deeper into some of the original language of that passage. So that's why studying the Word can be so beneficial. Let me look at some Scripture with you that's tied to this idea of studying the Scriptures. This is from Acts 17, 11. So it's the Apostle Paul and Silas. It says, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message, and they searched the Scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So Paul and Silas are, are teaching the good news to the Bereans. And the Bereans are hearing the word. That's discipline number one that we looked at earlier, which was great. But they didn't stop there. It says that they searched the scriptures day after day to see if what Paul and Silas was saying was true. I hope you guys would do the same thing. I hope you would never take a sermon at face value just because an Alpine pastor gave it. I hope that if you ever hear something that you think doesn't line up with God's word, that you would come up to us, I mean, humbly and respectfully, but I hope you come up and say, wait a minute, did you really communicate what I think you communicated? Is that really what you meant to say? I invite you to do that. I know all the other pastors would invite you to do the same thing. I mean, think of how radical Paul and Silas's message would have been to the Bereans. They were saying some crazy stuff. They were saying, this guy, Jesus, he's the Messiah. Jesus saves. You're no longer saved by following the Old Testament law. In fact, Jesus followed the law perfectly. And if you put your faith in him, then you'll be saved. That would have been radical information to the Bereans. So what did they do? They searched the scriptures day after day. They dug into it. Now, they would have dug into what we know as the Old Testament. So maybe they dug into Genesis. Maybe they dug into Isaiah or another one of the prophets, but they started digging in and they started piecing it together. And a little here and a little there, they confirmed the message that Paul was preaching. They knew that Jesus was the Messiah because they studied the Scriptures. Now, some of you guys might want to push back and say, well, I already believe Jesus is the Messiah, so why do I need to study the Scriptures? I think Jesus kind of answers that in John chapter 8. Jesus says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth matters. Scripture says that God's word is truth. And I hope you guys would be students of the word. I hope you'd be excited to dig into it. I hope that you're excited when God reveals something. I, I think that's one of the most amazing things about the Bible. I can read a passage that I've probably read 200 times and all of a sudden God opens the window a little bit more and reveals something to me that I hadn't seen before. I love that. It'll be a blessing and it'll provide freedom if you guys will be students of the Word. Okay, let's move on to the fourth discipline. This is memorizing. Memorizing the Word is reading for readiness. Will you be able to recall the passage in a moment of crisis? So one of the things that's going to happen as you guys are reading the Word and studying the Word is you're going to find that from time to time a passage is going to jump off the page at you. 
It's going to speak to something really deep in your life. That's a good time to say, you know what, maybe I should memorize this. Because you're going to have a passage that can help give you breakthrough. You're going to have a passage that can bring you encouragement. And you want to memorize those so that you can recall them in your moment of crisis. Let me give you a couple of examples. Men, when you're on the phone at night, and that image pops up on your screen that you know you shouldn't click on, I hope you would think of 1 Corinthians 6.18, which says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee it. Don't fight it. Don't see how close to the line you can get without going over. Get out of there. Put the phone down. Go in the other room. Whatever you need to do, I hope that verse would trigger you to get out of that situation. Or maybe you're in a season where you feel like you're just worried a lot and you have a lot of anxiety. I hope you would go to Philippians 4.6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Or maybe you're just in a really tough spot right now. You've got a loss in your life you're dealing with. Or things just aren't working out and you're wondering, God, what are you up to? I've been there. <laughs> I've had those seasons where I'm like, God, how, how are you going to work this together? And I always go to Romans 8.28. And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. That verse has gotten me through so many tough times in my life. Or when you get stuck behind that guy in the fast lane who obviously doesn't understand the concept of keep right except to pass. <laughs> Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. <laughs> right? Now you might use different verses in those situations or you might have different situations that you struggle with. But hide God's word in your heart so that you have it available in the moment of crisis. Here's a verse that will support that. Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. See, when we memorize God's word, that's what we're doing. We're hiding it in our heart. We're hiding it in our mind so that we have it when we need it. Here's another passage that I think just stresses why this is so important. Okay, And this is... This is the story about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. So it says, During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So just to give you some context for this, Jesus has just been baptized. It says that right after he was baptized, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days. And I'm sure Satan tempted him throughout the fast, but we see kind of three specific temptations near the end of his fast when it said Jesus was very hungry in one of the translations. And so the devil is tempting Jesus to break his fast. And what does Jesus do when he's tempted? He answers with Scripture. If Jesus, God in the flesh, used Scripture to answer the devil, how much more so should you and I use it when he presents his schemes to us? In fact, if you were to read all of Matthew chapter 4, you'll see that specifically Matthew lists three times the devil tempts Jesus. And in every situation, Jesus uses scriptures to refute him. I would also point out that the third time Satan tempts him, Satan actually uses distorted scripture to tempt Jesus. That's why it's so important that you are reading the word regularly, that we're studying it. Because the devil will even use twisted scripture to tempt you and to trap you. So you've got to know what the Word really says. The devil hates God's Word. He'll try to distort it. So you and I need to use it as a weapon against his schemes. And that brings us to our last discipline, which is meditating on the Word. Meditating on the Word is reading for transformation. 
Will you allow the author of the passage to do his work within you? Now, you'll notice author is capitalized. Because again, the author of every passage in the Bible is Almighty God himself. These words are God-breathed. See, God wants to do a deep work in you. He wants to give you breakthrough, but that won't happen if you're just checking off the list like I did when I was a kid in Sunday school. It's about connection. It's about letting God really get inside and do His work in you. See, when we meditate on God's Word, we slow down and we pause and we say, God, what do you want to tell me about this passage? What do you need to speak to me that maybe I'm missing? I love how the psalmist starts out the book of Psalms in Psalm 1. Verses 1 through 3 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. I I love the imagery in that. I, I think it's important that he doesn't say, Oh, the drudgery of those who don't follow the wicked. He says, Oh, the joy. If you want to live a joy-filled life, delight in the law of the Lord. And as you delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it, He's going to make you like a tree planted by the riverbank. Think of the image of that, of a tree planted by the river in the desert. Not only will you bear fruit, but you're going to be a shade and a refuge for those around you. The world needs more trees by the river right now, guys. We get there by meditating on God's Word. Here's another verse that speaks to this meditation part. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's why the Bible's hard to read sometimes, isn't it? Because we all have these thoughts and desires that we're able to just kind of stuff down in the business of the day. But when we get into God's word, it exposes them. And there they are, staring us right in the face. We need to let God do His work. We need to let God cut that stuff out of us. It's like a surgeon's knife. There are a lot of places in Scripture where the word is equated to a sword, and that's a good thing. Let the surgeon do his work. I like how author John Ortberg articulates it. He says it like this. The goal is not for us to get through the Scriptures. The goal is to get the Scriptures through us. We meditate on them. We let them sit. We let them sink in. See, don't let these disciplines just be about checking the box, but let it be about the Scripture getting through you. I want to wrap up by going back to this verse that we opened up with, this Romans 12 too, about not copying the behavior and customs of this world, but letting God transform us by the way that we think. It won't happen overnight, but I promise you, as you spend time in God's Word, He will bring transformation. He will begin to change the way that you think. But as with all these other disciplines we've looked at, it doesn't work if we just go to them in the moment of crisis. It needs to be a habit. It needs to be part of our lifestyle. And the earlier you start this discipline, the more it's going to guide you, the more it's going to protect you. So start now. If you're not already doing it, get in God's Word. Let it lead you. Let it guide you. See, the world is sending messages to you every single day. And we have to allow God's message to be louder and more frequent in our ears. And unfortunately, guys, there's no shortcut. There's no quick way to do it. It's just a habit day after day after day after day. But when we do that, it brings us connection. 
And connection brings us a full and abundant life. And who doesn't want that? Let's pray. Lord God, as we look at your word, we first just say thank you. Thank you for preserving your written word for us. Thank you that we live in an age where each of us can actually have the God-breathed words at our fingertips. God, would you forgive us for taking that for granted? Would you forgive us for not being in your word, for not hearing from you on a regular basis? God, I just want to lift up anyone today that that has never really developed this habit. God, would you just move in their heart? I pray that they would just desire to be connected to you. Again, it's not the discipline in and of itself that does that. We don't do these disciplines to, to check a box or to earn your approval. The amazing news of the gospel is because of Jesus, you do approve of us when we put our faith in him. And so because we already have your approval, we want to hear from you. We, we want to know you. We want to live to please you. So God, I just pray that you would help us to develop this lifestyle where we're in your word consistently. Lord God, that you would change the way we think. And God, we pray, would you give us that full, abundant life that you promised. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.